I originally announced as we began this study through Romans that we'd be doing one chapter a week, but there is no way I can make it through Romans 8 in, in one week. So, uh, But we've, been, we've done pretty good at keeping that pace up until Romans 8, which I honestly believe is one of the most important chapters in the Bible. Really, I've heard uh, scholars, pastors say that it's it's almost as if the entire Bible is leading up to Romans 8, and then beyond Romans 8, it's kind of looking back to Romans 8. Very, very significant chapter. And if you're someone who who likes to memorize the Bible, this would be a tremendous chapter to memorize. Uh, certainly to meditate on, to spend a lot of time on knowing the contents of this chapter. So last week, we made it through verse 15. So we're going to pick up in verse 16 today, Romans 8, 16. So let's pray. Lord, as we Open your word that you would give a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Lord. We know that the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit. And even as Christians, if we don't yield our minds, our intellects to the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, if we don't do that, much of your word seems a mystery, seems like a parable, seems confusing. But Lord, when we humble our minds like a child, as you called us to, Lord, then it just opens up. You begin to teach us. And we have the mind of Christ. We, we see things. Light is, is shown upon our path. That we see things that we in the past could not see. And so we're right now, in faith, yielding our minds to the Spirit, yielding our hearts to Him to teach us these critical, vital truths. It's the difference between life and death, defeat and victory, being overcome by sin or, or walking in the power of God. These very, very relevant truths to everyone here, Lord, there's no exceptions. If we do not learn to walk in the Spirit and crucify self, self-effort, self-indulgence, if we don't learn to do that, Lord, we will be overcome by sin. And so we don't want to be, Lord. We want to walk in victory. We want to walk in the Spirit. We want to be fruitful, make our lives count for something. So, Lord, as we open these this chapter speak to our hearts in Jesus name. Amen. Romans 8:16 For the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So, kind of picking up in the middle of a thought here, uh, let's jump back up a couple more verses. Uh, Paul, in verse 14, 
saying, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So Paul reminding the Roman church of this important truth that we are children of God. Trying to explain to them there's a world of difference between having a sort of slave relationship with God, a a relationship of bondage versus a relationship of a father-child relationship. It's a world of difference. But many times uh, people do serve God under this sort of bondage, under a, a spirit of fear for, because of their failures and their shortcomings and, and, and feeling distant from God, feeling like God is always upset with them, they're never able to please God. Whereas you begin to give up on self-effort and start walking in the power of the Spirit and relying on the resurrection life of Christ in you, you begin to walk that way Your whole relationship with God changes. You, you realize, wow, he's my father. I can cry to him, Abba, Father, or Daddy. Just that close, intimate relationship of a good, loving father who only wants the best for us. So we're led by the Spirit of God. We are the sons of God. Not receiving that spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you you receive the spirit of adoption, and we cry out, Abba, Father. That's our relationship now. Oh, Lord, you're my father. I'm your child. See, that's really the highest position you can attain to in the universe, is being a child of God. You think of Jesus as the Son of God. We're brought into the kingdom of God into the family of God through adoption, being born again of the spirit. We're born into the family of God. Now we're children of God. It's the highest position that you can attain to. And, you know, it's interesting as you study through Romans and I've been you know, challenging you guys to read the one chapter a week that I'm going to preach on and just take a deep dive, you know, get to the point where you can kind of talk through a chapter Uh, without even looking at it, just being familiar with what's in Romans. And as I've been studying through Romans, I just see this real uh, progression of of chapter one of Romans uh, of being an enemy of God and seeing the progression through the chapters of coming to really the highest place possible in Romans 8 as a child of God. And, and that's called growth, right? And Romans chapter 1, where you're a person who God has actually given you over to your sin because you're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. You're resisting the revelation of God. And God just gives you over to your sin, and the wrath of God is abiding on you. That's like the lowest place you can be. That's the worst place you can be. 
And then you have chapter 2 of Romans, kind of the religious person, the self-righteous person who's depending on their works for a relationship with God. And, and God says, no, that's not acceptable either for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3. There is none righteous, no, not one. See, when a person finally comes to that point where they're, they're willing to give up their sin, they're not rationalizing their sin anymore. They look at God's law. They say, you're right, God, I'm a sinner and, and, I, and I see my, the depth of my sin, that my religion, my good works can't save me. I'm driven, finally, to the person of Jesus Christ and his cross. You're climbing the ladder. You come, you come from the pit of being an enemy of God. You're not deceived as a religious person. You realize you're a sinner. You need a savior. You bow at the, the feet of Jesus Christ, and you're saved. You're born again into the family of God. And then you start learning, okay, how do I walk with God? It's easy to get saved in a sense, isn't it? I mean, it's hard, it's hard coming to that point because we're resisting God, we're running from God. But finally, when we come to that point, we just say, okay, Lord, forgive me. I'm here. I'm ready to follow you. Man, you're saved. God does not make it hard. You just have to come willingly. But now learning to walk with God, that's what most of Romans is about. How do you walk with God? How do you overcome sin? How do you begin to learn about your, the true nature of self and the true nature of God? How do we interact with him? This does not come naturally to us. We have to have our minds transformed, Romans 12, right? By the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world or the religious thinking or worldly thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we need to be in God's word, asking the Holy Spirit to teach us. So it's not natural to know how to walk with God. You see, an example, Paul, who is a very strict, zealous Pharisee, thinking he was right with God, now him getting saved, coming into the kingdom of God, and having to learn these lessons. You know, he took his Pharisee sort of mentality into his Christianity and had to learn that it isn't working. That's Romans 7. I mean, I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to do the right thing. I've got this new nature, Romans 6. The old man's dead. I have a new nature within me now, and I, I want to please God more than anything. But I'm seeing the depth of my sin and my failure. See, it's interesting that that journey through the book of Romans, it, it so beautifully parallels what many of us have experienced, you know, where you're, okay, you've come to Christ, you're born again, you see the grace of God and the power of God and just delivering you from many sins, and, and you're excited about the things of God, but then you begin to walk with God and, and you, you start to see some real problems within yourself that God wants to work on. God says, I'm, I'm, my goal is to conform you to the image of Christ, and hopefully we'll get to that today. It's later in this chapter. But this is what God is working in our lives, to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ, his son. So we start to, to walk with God, 
And we may even take some rabbit trails, like maybe backsliding. Anybody ever done that? And, and you may even have a season where you've backslid of, you know, I think of David. You, you can study in David's life where scholars say, yeah, it looked like about for a year or two there, a couple different times in his life, he, he kind of went off track. That would, that's what I would call a carnal Christian. So you're saved, really, truly saved, but then you just get off track for whatever reason. You, you, you get drawn back into the world. You got one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom of God. That's a miserable place to be, isn't it? Oh, man. But you're kind of rationalizing your sin and, well, what can I get away with? And, and, and then pretty soon you're, you're tired of living in that place. So you, and I think back to my life where God used, you know, different people to call me back into dedicating myself fully to the Lord, challenging me like you're, man, you're a compromising Christian. You got one foot in the world, one foot out. What are you doing? Sometimes we need a, a rebuke, a good rebuke. Don't be afraid to do that with people. You know, it, what I'm learning, it depends where that person is on that journey, right? If, if, if they're here down in the pit with the wrath of God on them, and I'm, I'm talking to them about Romans 8, the grace of God and walking in the Spirit, that, that doesn't make sense. They need to, they need to know they're sinners. They need to know, they need to repent. Or if I'm talking to a carnal Christian and I'm trying to talk to him about the grace of God and the deeper things, the meat, they're not going to be, they're not going to get it. I may just have to challenge that Christian, man, you're, you're compromising. What are you doing? You know, see that that's really the calling of Romans six, where Paul says, coming out of Romans 5, five um, shall we continue in sin that grace may, may abound? So you've seen the abounding grace of God. You're saved. You see the work of Christ on the cross. And Paul's saying, does that mean we should just continue in sin? And, he, and then he goes on to say, no, because you're dead to sin. You're a new person. And because you died with Christ, you rose with Christ, you're now to offer yourself to God as one alive from the dead. You're to offer yourself as a slave to God. So there's a calling for a super deep dedication of your life. And I ask you, you know, have you come to that place in your Christian life where you've seen the amazing grace of Christ and you say, I'm giving everything, Lord. I give it all. I mean, just kind of a radical commitment. And maybe you're, maybe you are that carnal Christian. You got one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom of God, and you're miserable. You don't have peace and joy. You don't have the power of God in your life. And, and, and so hopefully, you know, you come to that place where you say, that's it. I'm tired of, you know, living in the world. I'm going to give myself to the Lord. You know, when the the church door is open. I'm going to be there. I'm going to get up early, be in the word. I'm going to be going to Bible studies and praying and, 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 you know, you're just going all out. I think you got to come to that point. If you're all casual about your Christian life, well, I'm saved, but I just kind of do what I want. So that's Romans six. You come to that point, but and I believe this is where Paul was. Okay, so you're in Romans 6. You're excited. I'm, I've dedicated myself to the Lord. You think you've reached the highest place at that point. You're like, I'm finally, oh, I came out of that carnal life. I'm radical for the Lord. I'm witnessing to people. I'm praying. I'm in the word. I'm in church. 
I'm going all out for Jesus. I'm not a, you know, wimpy Christian anymore. And that's great. You're, you're zealous. You're excited. You, you, you got it. But you, but you know what happens then? You start going along a while, and you're like, I, I can't maintain this. I'm failing. I, I'm sinning. What's going on? I, I thought when I dedicated myself fully to the Lord as one alive from the dead, as, as you know, I've, I've had these revelations of Lord, the Lord and, and, and the, you know, might be during a worship service or a prayer time where you just, it's like you experience God and his glory. You're like, oh, yes, Lord, you're so good. It's only right I give all of myself. And, and you start walking along that. You're like, but I'm, I'm struggling. I'm failing. I'm, I'm struggling with this sin and that sin. And I'm, that's Romans 7. I'm trying to do what's right, but I'm failing. And the things I want to do, I don't do. Things I don't want to do. it. And you come to the end of Romans 7, and you, and you say, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. So you now have come to another stage of your Christian life where you, you, you're trying as hard as you can, but then you realize, I can't do it in my own strength. So the dedication still needs to be there. Some, sometimes we get confused, like, oh, I've, I've discovered the grace of God, and then you kind of back off in your, your fervor for the Lord, and that's a mistake, and I've made that mistake, but it's a journey. You know, you learn through your mistakes. God never calls us to back off in our fervor for him. But Romans 8 is all about learning. You don't have any fervor in yourself. You don't have any zealousness in yourself. That's acceptable to God. It might be man-made fervor or zealousness. When you begin to give up on self and say, oh, okay, I am supposed to offer myself, but I can't do it in my own strength. By faith, I'm going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, the very life of Christ to live his energy, his power, his love, his life through me, that's now you, you've started to reach the, the higher place of, of your Christian life. That's, that's Romans 8. And if you're not there, man, keep, keep reading it. Keep praying over it. And, okay, it doesn't mean now you're sinless. It doesn't mean you're not going to suffer anymore. It doesn't mean life isn't difficult, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But, you're, but you've come to a higher place, for sure, in your Christian life, where the light just has gone on. It's like, I'm, I'm done striving in self. I, you know, Hebrews, I've entered his rest. He who has entered his rest has ceased from his own labors, and, and you're now, you know, you're not on cruise control. You're not casual about your Christian life at all, but it's, it's the glorious power of God Galatians 2.20, you know, living through, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm just living by faith in Jesus. I'm just fellowshipping with my Father. It's relational, and, and you're learning how to tap into the, the power of God because it's, well, you have to have that right mindset. It says in, in Romans 8, the carnally-minded person or the, the religious Christian person, that leads to death. But it, the spiritually minded person, it leads to life. So you have a mindset of humility and faith. You say, Lord, I can't do it. I can't live this Christian life, but I believe you can through me. See, the humility and the faith, they go together. You need both. If you have pride, God's going to resist you. You think, oh, I, I can do this. 
and you might even look down. There's there's signs that you have pride, like you kind of look down on other people. They're not as spiritual as you. Well, you got pride. You still think you got something in and of yourself that's superior to others. You have nothing. That's what Paul said in Romans 7. Within me, no good thing dwells. I find there is evil present in me, the one who wants to do good. That's a, that's a mature Christian talking and, and who hasn't quite come to that point of quit striving in self and, and let God, Christ, live through him. So it's a mindset. It's a mindset. If you're still in your mind depending on self, you have pride, you have unbelief, those are the things that God wants to deal with. And then, and, and once you get, start to get in the habit of just, uh, okay, this is what I try to do. I get up in the morning, Lord, I, I know I can't do anything in my own strength. Reveal to me how to walk with you, Lord. We're going to talk about that today if I ever get to it. But how to pray in the Holy Spirit. We do not know how to pray as we ought but the Spirit himself makes intercession. So I I just begin to wait on the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to manage my Christian life. I know a lot about the Bible, but that doesn't necessarily help me because I will misapply it in my flesh. Holy Spirit, teach me, show me, lead me. I yield my mind. And he just begins to show you the things of Christ. He begins to show you how to apply your faith. He shows you where you've got pride and I find that is one of the most powerful things where I just take that time to wait upon the Lord, to let the Holy Spirit get my heart and mind in the right place because it is not natural, and it's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. So we're coming to this higher place where we realize, oh, yeah, I'm a child of God. I relate to God through father-child relationship, not under the law Here's a list of rules. Do this and you'll, you'll be blessed. It's more, no, Lord, I'm forgiven. I'm your child. Now I want to learn how to be a pleasing son to you. So that verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness that with our spirit that we're children of God. So you should have that inner confirmation that you are God's. This is not just academic uh, teaching. It's no, this is relational reality that you are to be experiencing the Holy Spirit. And if, you know, this morning you're sitting here and it's like, I, I don't, I don't have that assurance within me. I don't sense the Holy Spirit telling me I'm his child. Then you need to go to the cross. You need to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive my sins. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me begin that journey with you. God, I want to know for sure that I'm your child. I mean, you talk to some people, they're like, well, you know, how could you ever know if you're saved? And I guess I'll find out when I die. Like, oh, no, do not know. You do not want to do that. You want to know now. And it says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. Verse 17, and if we're children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ that's, again, the highest possible position. We're children. Not only are we are children, we are joint heirs. We inherit everything God has. That's crazy talk, isn't it? I mean, it's not like God says, look, I died for you. I forgave your sins, but, you know, just go. You're, I got a section in heaven for you. All the, the angels are over here. They've always been holy. 
but you all just have to come over here and, and you'll kind of, you know, not get much from me because, you know, you're sinners. He doesn't say that. No, he brings us into his family, joint heirs with Christ. See, much of what's discussed in these coming verses relates to having that eternal mindset. It's important. That's an important part of the mix as we walk with God that we remember this is temporary. Heaven is eternal. That's where we're headed. And we have a tremendous amount to look forward to. We are heirs. We will inherit all of heaven, all that God has. But now the next part of this verse we, we might not like as much. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So suffering, this is what I love about the scripture. <clears throat> it's so practical and aligns with real life, doesn't it? I mean, what, what if it taught us, well, you know, you're going to go on this journey and you're going to learn to walk in the spirit and you're a child of God. And then your life is just going to be free from any suffering. You're always going to be healed and prosperous. Oh, that sounds like a teaching that goes around. Uh, you know, what if the Bible taught that? It doesn't teach that. That wouldn't be real. Or, or you're gonna, <clears throat> you're gonna go into this age of Aquarius or this, this beautiful. You know, your life is just gonna be free from suffering. I'd read that and I'd say, wow, that's not true because I, I live in a fallen world. I still have this flesh that is uh, often resisting God. Uh, I have relationships I struggle with. I struggle to earn a living. You know, there's a lot about this world that's hard, right? And he's saying, no, suffering is part of the Christian life. And it's, in fact, it's an important part of the Christian life. Let's read on. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that, which shall be revealed in us. So properly viewing suffering. So, you know, sometimes we get so negative, right? And we're, we're, I mean, life is hard. We all face many difficult things, right? And we can start to get just the wrong attitude about the difficulties of life. And one great way to, to keep suffering in its proper perspective is to remember the glory that's coming it can't even be compared to the suffering I'm experiencing now. So walking with the Lord, yes, there is suffering in, involved in that. Not only do we have the, the normal suffering that everybody faces on this planet, some more, some less, but we all, because we, lived on a, we live on a fallen planet, we all have suffering. But as Christians, there's, there's even more suffering in the sense we got the enemy attacking us, we got this battle with the flesh. We got the world against us. So there's even a, an, another layer of suffering on top of that. But Paul says, it's not even worthy to be compared with the glory. And now coming from Paul, that's quite a, a statement, if you, if you know how much Paul suffered. And you know, serving God then is yet another layer of suffering, right? Right? 
if you've ever stepped out to really, with all your heart, serve the Lord, you are going to see a whole new level of attacks. And this is what Paul uh, saw in his life, for sure. He was a fully dedicated servant of the Lord. But Paul knew, hey, the sacrifices I'm making to reach other people, to work for the Lord, man, it's producing an eternal way to glory. That's another scripture, but it's the same principle, right? That, that what I'm experiencing now, the glory that's going to be revealed, you can't even compare it. You know, the, the difficulty of stepping out um, on a Wednesday night to serve the children and to minister to them, it'd be easier just to stay home, right, and flip the remote or what. But you're stepping out. <clears throat> There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of prayer. <clears throat> some aggravation that goes along uh, there, you know, the negative side for sure, tremendous fulfillment of serving the Lord. Don't get me wrong. There really is, but there's, there's definitely suffering that goes along with it. Verse 18, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory, which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So this is an important part of growing in the Lord. You come to this place where you're walking in the Spirit, and you see the grace of God, a new power in your life. But it's important that we remember it's not the highest level, is it? No, glorification is the highest level. I mean, when I began to learn how to walk in the grace of God about 12 years ago, I saw, like, real freedom for for my Christian life, Uh, a new level of victory and power. But... Then you come, you're on a whole new journey as you begin to walk in the Spirit. There, there, there's more uh, other things now that you have to deal with in terms of dying daily and learning to walk in the Spirit, the, the chastisement of the Lord, all these things that are not easy because we live in a fallen world. And so it's important that we keep in mind, hey, this is temporary the Lord's going to take me to heaven soon, and I'm eagerly waiting for that day. You see, the whole creation, verse 20, it's subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. It's kind of a hard verse to understand, but it's really Paul kind of stepping back and giving us the big picture of God's plan, and we're going to see more of that as we go through this chapter saying, yeah, God created the world. He knew that we were going to fall into sin when he created it. 
And he knew there would be all these new pressures that would come on us as sinners, right? That he, he said, well, the ground is cursed. He said that to Adam, right? You, you'll now earn your labor through the sweat of your brow. And the, the woman was cursed, you know, suffering and childbearing and um, having to uh, submit to her husband. Uh, these kinds of things that are difficult, earning a living, for for uh, for anyone, it's a difficult thing, and God subjected us to these things, to these difficulties, knowing that those things would have the potential to drive us to Him. See, and isn't that what suffering will often do? It will drive us to the Lord for a closer relationship. That's what it's supposed to do. It can have the opposite effect where you get bitter at God or you get bitter at others. But God's hope, as it were, would be that you would respond to the way he set up the world. You would respond to it in the proper way. So there's this sense that all of creation is groaning, knowing that this is not the final product. This planet is not the final product of how God is going to gloriously remake it. And, and so it's like all of creation is waiting for that, that glorious day when God redeems us, redeems our bodies, the, the revealing of the sons of God, and that this planet is, is remade, the new heavens and the, the new earth. This is what our hope is, see? that will be delivered from this bondage of, uh, of corruption. And it, you know, it's interesting, verse 22, it says, the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. You know, we, when we suffer, and, and it's like birth pangs, right? That's painful. But Mother's Day, right? God bless you moms, you know? I mean, it used to be the day where the, the dad could be out in the waiting room smoking the cigar or whatever, but now you go in with with the ladies and man, you're right there. The guy seeing her suffer and sometimes yelling at the husband that happens too, you know, but the, the, uh, but that those birth pangs, see, it says there's, uh, they're, they're laboring with birth, birth pangs until now. But so do you think of your suffering like that? Or, or when you suffer, you think, Oh, I'm going to die. I'm just, oh, this is, it's all over. I'm dying here. <clears throat> or do you think this suffering is just a birth pang? It's just this suffering I'm experiencing is leading to a glorious new birth. See, isn't that a totally different, two different ways to look at suffering? And, and look, often we can get into that, that negative state, like, God, why are you allowing this? This is terrible. This is terrible. This is leading nowhere. <clears throat> I don't understand it. And God's saying, look, I'm, you're experiencing birth pangs. I've got this beautiful birth out here for you, this new creation, this glorious uh, liberty of, of the children of God that, that your whole life is, is headed toward, and, and you're viewing your suffering wrong. See, that's Christian maturity, right? Learning to walk in the Spirit, learning to view suffering correctly. And so not only is all creation groaning, but we, we groan within ourselves, especially Monday morning, right? 
that alarm clock goes up. Oh. But there is that grunt, like, Lord, come quickly. Just come quickly. And that's a good thing, though. That's okay. That's normal. It's basically what Paul's saying. That is not abnormal for you as a mature Christian to say, Lord, I'm, I'm so glad I've learned to walk closer with you in the spirit, but man, it's still rough down here, and I'm really looking forward to you coming back. I mean, do you ever just like, you go take a walk and you look up at the clouds, and do you, remember when, the, and you say, Lord, may, would you just come back? Remember he, when he, the, he left on the cloudy, he, the ascension, and uh, the angel said, hey, in the same way he left, he's, he's coming back. And so, isn't that amazing how, you know, God reminds us every day, of, if it's a cloudy day, we see those clouds and, oh, yes, Lord, come back, come back, Lord. And that's a good thing. That's a normal thing. It's not like God saying, oh, you're just copping out, you're whining, wanting to go to heaven. That's not what he, no, he's saying, no, that's good that you, you're, you're properly viewing suffering and you're desiring to go home to heaven. So the, the mature Christian, verse 25, is, 25, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So we have the right attitude. We're persevering through suffering. Okay, this isn't going to be forever. There's a purpose that God's allowing this suffering, and I'm looking forward to the redemption of my body. See, there's going to be a day when we don't have that flesh-spirit battle anymore. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. For we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So you got a couple different things here. you got this big picture where Paul is, is showing you that the hand of God, like he foreknew you, he called you, he, he's going to glorify you. It's just, you see, again, the, this journey that uh, God is taking us on, those who cooperate with him. But also we see this aspect of intercession and, and walking in the Spirit. So... Chapter 8, that's the, the content of chapter 8, is walking in the Spirit. And here's some very important information related to walking in the Spirit, and that's how we pray in the Spirit. See, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Isn't that an amazing verse right there? I'm sorry, but it says you do not know how to pray as you ought. And I think that's like always. You never know. You, if you're in the flesh and you're praying, you're praying for the wrong thing, basically. Now, God, God's merciful, right? If you haven't learned to walk in the Spirit and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to be led by the Spirit, of course he's still going to answer your prayers. He's still going to 
bless you. But this, again, it's a Christian maturity when you understand your weakness. And I guess one way to view this is to say, you know, I don't know how to manage my own life. I don't even know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit will manage my Christian life. That's where we get in trouble. You know, we, we come along, we start to learn a lot about the Bible, and we're trying to keep all these, you know, it's like juggling. We're trying to keep all these balls in the air, all these, these truths, all, all these principles, and we start to get burnt out and overwhelmed, and, and it's like, Lord, will you just take the balls? I don't know how to manage all these truths. I don't know how to apply them correctly. I don't know how to pray for myself. I certainly don't know how to pray for others. See, you see that attitude of heart and mind? That, again, it's another aspect of walking in the Spirit where you're not depending on self. You understand your limitations, your weakness. But so beautiful that God would make intercession for us. The Spirit would himself makes intercession. I just believe this is a tremendously important part about walking in the Spirit, is being sensitive to the Holy Spirit to show us how to pray for ourselves, how to pray for others. And, you know, I have found the more that I learn to walk in the Spirit, I'll begin to pray for somebody, maybe like in an afterglow setting, and I'm just, I because I just have the right mindset, I'm I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit. I kind of have this expectation that God's going to speak and work, and it's just a, a, a setting for God. to. All of a sudden, I just, I'll start praying for somebody, and I, I can see things in their life that the Holy Spirit showed me to pray for. You've seen that happen, right? You, It's amazing. It, it really is. And and I believe that's kind of the normal Christian life. That's how God wants us to pray for one another. And that, that's something I, I would like for us to be able to do more, have more afterglows. I'm going to try to be planning for those more where we can just, you know, sit around, put the chairs in the circle, sing some songs, wait on the Lord, and just begin to pray for one another, prophesy. But again, it takes a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. It's not always... Oh, I need prayer because uh, I, you know, I've been sick. Maybe that's uh, that's okay to ask for that, but all I'm all I'm saying is, shouldn't we be more sensitive to say? Okay, I mean, are we even going through this process, Lord? I, I I see the needs that I think I need to pray for for myself and for others that seem obvious, but Lord, maybe you want us to pray for something completely different. And so, Lord, I'm just waiting upon you. I'm yielding my heart and mind to the Holy Spirit. And the Lord says, oh, okay, good. <laughs> now I got a chance to speak, right? And, wow, so wouldn't that certainly apply in our marriages, in our closest relationships? To be, oh, not so quick to, to speak, but quicker to pray. And, and see, that's the thing about marriage. <laughs> You have a front row seat to that other person's faults, right? And so how are you going to react to that? With a judgmental spirit? An irritable spirit? Again, whoa, whoa, hey, you're getting personal here, Pastor. Look at this is this is nitty-gritty. Like this is where are you walking in the spirit? Because the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, love, love is not irritable, 
bears long. First Corinthians 13, right? I'm not going to quote it. I don't, I don't even have it memorized, but you all know it. There's a list of what love looks like. It's patient. It's kind. The fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, kindness, love, joy, not irritation. So you know you're in the Spirit if your spouse is irritating you. You don't know, but they're, they're doing something. <laughs> you're, you know you're in the flesh, I'm sorry, if your spouse is irritating you. Oh, no, no, no. It's they're, they're doing something irritable. No, it's you. It's you. You're the grump. I'm sorry, guys. This, I mean, this is, this is nitty-gritty. And I'll, I see the same thing in myself, and I'm, like, I'm, in the, I'm in the flesh right now. What is it about my thinking and my relationship with God that I would feel this irritation right now instead of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness? Well, you know, what, what are the fruit of the flesh Someone who's being religious, like in the Galatian, they were trying to live under the law. Paul says, man, y'all are fighting with one another. Contentions, outbursts of wrath. The Corinthian church, same thing. You're carnal. You think you're so smart, but you're not loving one another. So what I'm saying is if I'm walking in the spirit and I see a fault in my spouse, my Fortunately, my spouse doesn't have any faults, you know, but I just say that on Mother's Day, you know, but <clears throat> no, but she's a godly woman. I'm, I'm thankful for her, but of course she has faults. Of course, you know, she, of course I have many, many faults. So I would, look, I would rather have her pray for me when she sees my faults. I would rather have her in the Holy Spirit making intercession for, for me with groanings. Oh, Lord, there he goes again. Oh, he's such a jerk. No. But, but that is cool, that the groanings thing, because it's not like the Spirit has you go pray for five hours and then your prayers answer. A lot of times it's just like, oh, Lord, just help. And that's, that's a Spirit-breathed prayer. You know, like you're praying for your... Your child, you know, who's not walking with the Lord, and, and you're thinking about them, and, and the Holy Spirit just says, no, pray for this. Oh, Lord. Do you ever have where, like, the person's, it's almost like a, their picture appears in your mind, and you're like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to pray for them. I mean, it took me a while to learn that. But that happened to me this week, like, like for Larry. It was like, all of a sudden, I just see Larry's face, whoop. Okay, I guess I'm supposed to pray for Larry. Lord, just bless Larry, touch Larry. And it can be just like a groaning. It's like, oh, Lord, just, just help. Just I don't know what's going on right now with Larry, but just touch him, Lord. And maybe I send him a text or something. I don't know. But, but I have this happen to me. And then I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm walking in the Spirit right now because the Spirit is showing me how to, how to pray. At verse 27, he, this is amazing. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You have the whole trinity right there. That's, okay, he, I, I believe when it says he searches the hearts, that's Jesus searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because Jesus makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So, um, man, we're running out of time, but it's... Um, Think about that. See, Jesus is making intercession for us. 
Jesus is searching our hearts, the hearts of everybody around us. He knows what's going on, and he knows what the Holy Spirit is is finding. I mean, this is mysterious stuff. You got the whole Trinity uh, working. I mean, it's like Jesus, study his life. He says, we're being conformed to the image of Christ. Study Jesus, how he lived, how he prayed, how he taught. He said, I only speak those things I hear the Father tell me. My doctrine is not my own. I'm just doing what God tells me to do. Uh, he was led by the Spirit. I was just listening to that this morning. Um, I think it's Matthew 4. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus walked by the Spirit. He's a perfect example of, of a man who was led by the Holy Spirit. And now in his heavenly position, being ascended, he, he makes intercession for us. I don't really understand that, but I, I, it's, this is what's taught. It's taught in other places in Scripture, too. And he wants to bring us into that, in, 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 into praying. What, the, what is the mind of the Spirit? What is the mind of the Spirit for your family today? I, are, are we even asking? Are we even waiting on God for that? What is the mind of the Spirit for work tomorrow? You know, we just, we just sometimes, we're so task-oriented, we just jump in and we start doing the thing, and, and well, I just got to get this done. Did you even stop and ask the Lord how he wanted it done? Or if you should even be doing this? That's what I'm talking about. It's a deeper place of walking with God, listening to the Holy Spirit. And, and you look at the life of Jesus, and that's what he did. He didn't make his own decisions. He he was led by the Spirit as a man. Again, that's a mystery. He's the Son of God, but he humbled himself and, and, and had to depend on the Holy Spirit to lead him as a man. He set aside his, his divinity in that sense of, of all knowledge. Again, it's a mystery. So then verse 28, he works all things together for good, who love God, those who call according to his purpose. Um, I, you know, and just notice the context of that. Uh, I, I think that's really related to the whole intercessory prayer thing. And you could do a whole sermon on that verse, but we're just, we're just going to move on. We're out of time. For, he, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Some of you who know the whole arguments of Calvinism and Arminianism, and don't, don't get too hung up on that. Nobody understands this stuff anyway, you know, and focus on the, the part where it says he wants to conform you to the image of his son. That's where we need to be. Folks, Lord, I want to be like Jesus, work in me. And somehow, Lord, you foreknew, you knew I was going to choose you and you called me, you predestined me. I don't understand all that, but that's not my job to perfectly understand all that. Um, my job is to get conformed to your image and to cooperate with that process. And then we see, we'll just close with verse 30. So he, whom he predestined, he called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. You see that, that, that whole journey of, of walking with God and that you get this eternal um, scope that Paul is showing us. Back before the world was created, God predestined you he knew you were going to choose him and he called you 
And then after he called you, he justified. Remember when God called you? You hear God's voice like, come on, come on. Okay, here I am, Lord. I mean, for me, I fought him with everything for three days. Finally, okay, and I got saved. I was justified at that moment. I declared not guilty. And then ultimately to be glorified, to be glorified. That's our future, guys. We should be excited. Let's not get so weighed down with the cares of this life that we forget this is God's heart. This is God's desire for you to be with him in glory, for you to be in this glorified state forever. And to get to that place, yeah, we got to go through this, this hard journey, but it's worth it. Oh, yeah, it's worth it. We can't even compare the sufferings of this time to, to the glory that we're going to receive. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we have these promises. We have this hope. And, Lord, we want to more and more learn to walk in your spirit. And, Lord, we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, dead to self, alive to you, praying as we ought to pray because we're allowing the Spirit to pray through us. And, Lord, we thank you that we're in, included in your plan, that you called us, even before you created the world, Lord, you knew who your own were, Lord. And we are truly chosen. We are blessed. And, Lord, may we just keep our sufferings in perspective. Uh, Lord, may our hearts be in the right place of fully devoted to you and yet not reliant on our zeal to maintain that devotion and, Lord, may we just be thinking in terms of relationship with you, not law, and just be excited about the journey we're on, no matter where we're at, Lord, not be discouraged, say, oh, I'm so far behind, or, or proud and say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of everybody else. You know, God, where we're at in our journey, if we're still in the milk stage or we're, we're eating meat. We just got to keep growing every day is the whole point and allow you to show us by your spirit where we're at, what is needed in our lives in prayer, what is needed in those around us in prayer. So thank you for this, uh, this teaching, for this word, and we just uh, pray you'll continue to reveal these truths to us in Jesus' name. Amen.